0: I've been reflecting on my year um, as we are heading into the holiday season, which is always a challenging time. High five to any of the people co-parenting out there Um, or anyone who has a challenging time with the holidays. I can, like, feel it coming, and I'm like, oh, man. So I've been reflecting on how it is um, that I've maintained more of a, like, checked in level of contentment over the past year and what instantaneously came to my mind was the day that when I did the 30 days of uh loving kindness meditation and it really um it profoundly affected my state like what we were just talking about it wasn't like I practiced hours and hours a day and had some uh huge effect. It was one practice for about 10 to 12 minutes a day. <clears throat> and it really shifted the way that I was uh, being aware of myself, and then also the way that I was being aware of others. So for this last part of the year, I thought that together, all of us both in the Saturday in person class, and then yo- the yoga in a church, and then this yoga church, um, and then on the podcast that we would have the opportunity to dive more deeply into the loving kindness practice together and create a container for one another and for ourselves where we really devote ourselves to practicing this during this time of year. Um, hmm. There's been some new data out, because I think that when people hear, oh no, I'm going to have to practice meditation, you don't have to do anything, eh? This is just like a try and see what it feels like. I love that about Buddhism and yoga, why I love both of these practices, and it's really the two of them have become such an anchor in my life, is that uh, it's like a try and see. Does this work for you? Does yoga work? (laughs) Does mindfulness and meditation practice make your life better? I don't know. If it doesn't, great. Godspeed. Um, There's something else going on for you in this life that's going to light you up, you know, and help you to feel more present. Maybe it's painting or making music or running marathons or whatever it is. There's no judgment or (laughs) sort of um, hierarchy of ways that we drop in. But for me, this loving kindness practice, I mean, it makes sense given my uh, setup as a human being. But for me, it feels really lovely. And so I would offer you all the opportunity to see, see, experiment, see what it's like. How does it affect your life? How do you walk around? What's the lens that you're putting on? Does it um, shift and widen, right? Or is it uh, narrow? <laughs> I don't know. Do you feel more creative and lit up and accessible? Or... Um, is it not working at all? And you don't ever think about it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. So um, there's been some new data out that says that if we practice meditation four to five times a week for 12 minutes each sitting, that it can have profound effects on our stress levels. So I would offer you as, offer that as your guide. I think that it's interesting to look at the data. And then if we pop in, if you want to pop into the Wednesday meditation practice and get a half an hour in and sort of like whoop rooted in. It's easier together. It's harder when we're alone. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Then I would invite you all to pop in there. So let's start by talking about the definition of metta. Um, first of all, I did not make any of this up. <clears throat> this uh, has, is an ancient practice, right? And a lot of the teachings that I, the, the person who speaks My heart when speaking about this is Sharon Salzberg, who was one of the um, great meditation teachers in the 60s and 70s to bring Buddhism over from the East to the West. And she has really honed in on loving kindness practices being one of the things um, that the world needs, right? That the world needs. So, metta um, is a Pali word. And it's translated for us as loving kindness, which um, Sharon says that she's had some teachers come and (laughs) connect with her from the Easton Pali translators and be like, why don't y'all just say love, right? (laughs) And I like that very much because um, it simplifies it. But we have the complication of the word love having been sort of stripped down of meaning and meaning made into more of a, um, like we think of it as romantic love or um, some sort of love that requires conditions, right? But if we return to the definition of love that we used a lot last year, which is um, love is saying yes to what is, I think that we get closer to what is meant by the Pali word, metta because the Pali word metta is a love that is without preference and a love that is without conditions. Right. So um, another way to think of the word metta is to think of the word connection. Right? And it's said that in um in the loving kindness practice that the power from it comes from the knowledge that we are interdependent, from being in the truth that we are in fact interdependent. And that when we hone our hearts, steer our hearts toward the direction of a love that is without preference, that is wider, right, than our conditioning of being human, that we are leaning into the truth of that interdependence, And I don't know about you all, but it was a very challenging day on Friday and continues to be as the news of the Kyle Rittenhouse um, acquittal came through. And, you know, I don't think that most of us here, if you're here, if you're still here, (laughs) we're probably not that surprised. Um, I had had a crying morning when I heard about the makeup of the jury on the radio, and I was, like, bawling and feeling so depleted, and um, there was only one black person on the jury, I don't know if you knew that, and it was brought up, and the judge was like, eh, whatever, and right at that moment, I was like, oh, this doesn't stand a chance, you know, this person will go free, and my son um, was like, well, how do you know you don't know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, oh. I know, Um, but still to actually have to face the truth of it um, and be in to know what an unjust system that we live in, it can feel very depleting and we can feel very powerless. And the purpose of this practice is to remind ourselves that despite all of that going on externally, that our energy does matter, that the way that we think matters, our thoughts matter, that our words matter, right, and the way we carry ourselves in the world matters. And it is the white supremacist, white supremacist patriarchy that we live in that feeds, right, off of us thinking that it doesn't. that we have no power, that we are powerless. And so engaging in this practice, I would say that we are actually um, radicalizing ourselves, that we are going, and someone asked me once, what do you mean by the word radical? And what I mean is this, and we can think about this personally on like a really micro level, or we can think of it on a macro level, is that there are limiting beliefs And stories and narratives that we hold inside of ourselves, right, that keep us small and quiet and busy and thinking that we're not enough. And that is also happening on the macro level that there's no rules, that nothing matters, this sort of nihilistic um, existential crisis, right, that is happening. And what this practice does is that it directs us down into the roots. Um, of those beliefs and challenges them with an unconditional love that is without preference, right? So that those things can be set free, right? On the micro and then on the macro level. So um, the other thing, and this doesn't come from Sharon, this comes from me, but I think that it's so profound is that I, I love two definitions of trauma, because what happened on Friday, what is happening, what has happened in, um, I mean, Jesus, we have Thanksgiving coming up, which is a holiday, let's remember it's a holiday that Abraham Lincoln made up um, in order to, quote unquote, bring the country together and convince people of color to fight in the Civil War, and it wasn't something that actually happened, right? in fact (laughs) what did happen is that when colonists would go through and destroy and um genocide villages of indigenous people is that then they would have a moment of thanks that they had killed everyone so that's what we're celebrating just to like that it's like the most traumatizing holiday it's like if we like really feel what it is it's pretty fucking upsetting right and i like two definitions aoc Number one, um, AOC's definition is too much too fast. And I think she got that from somewhere, but I don't know where. But I really like that. Um, that when we can notice when we're triggered, when when we're in a trauma response, if we have that too much too fast feeling. And the other one that I really like is that trauma is when connection is severed, right? When there's a broken connection between us and a caregiver, right between us and the social contract of care which we see happening over and over and over again especially for the most marginalized folks right um so the buddha taught that the metta practice that the loving kindness practice is an antidote, an antidote to fear So what happens when we are traumatized, right, because trauma isn't the event, let's be clear, because the same event can happen to two different people, and this person's nervous system can experience the event as trauma, and this person's nervous system can experience the event as something that was upsetting, but not carry it around in their nervous system as trauma, right? So Um, And there's various things that make us more or less trauma resilient. It's like a whole cocktail of different (laughs) things that happen, right? Um, So if we're the person whose nervous system experienced the event is traumatizing and we're carrying around that wound, right? That's another, the root word of the word trauma is wound. We're carrying around this wound in our system. Then the response that we often have is one of fear, And so the loving-kindness practice, the practice of widening the lens and opening ourselves to these phrases, the Buddha taught as the antidote to fear. So the connection that I'm beginning to make in my own life and why this practice was so settling for me during this very challenging year is that it is, in fact, a salve for this wound. right? for the trauma of my nervous system, for the trauma of a severed connection, both on the micro level and on the macro level. <clears throat> um, okay, so, uh, burp. I'm, look, I'm looking back at my notes. Um, there's two sort of main controversies. <laughs> it's the way that Sharon puts it. Um, sorry, my feet are... I'm falling asleep I gotta shift myself there's two main controversies as far as meta is um concerned one is that like oh well if I'm going around just like I wish you loving kindness I wish you ease I wish you health and somehow that's like a weakness or also that it is saying like that kind of like we talked about last week actually that the um that what is happening is like okay with us, right? Um, And that's not the case at all. What it is doing is, again, acknowledging our interdependence and connection, yeah? So um, I actually find the loving-kindness practice to be extremely strengthening because instead of what happens when we're in fear is that, and this is like science, is that we tend to get tunnel vision And what happens when we're not in fear is that we have a much wider lens and have more choices and better able to be radical, to uproot those limiting belief systems that prevent us from being in our power. Okay. And then, um, yeah, kindness is a strength because we are interdependent. That's why, just to put it very simply. so the other thing is that, oh, that loving kindness is like a wish, right? <laughs> that we're like somehow casting a spell on ourselves and other people. And what it's like, all right, so I'm going to do loving kindness to my mom. And I hope that she better be start being nice to me by next Tuesday. You know? <laughs> and then you call your mom up and you're like, do you feel it? And that's not the the way that it works, right? We're dropping these phrases into the pool of our own awareness to shift our state, to be in our own power, to root ourselves in the truth of our interdependence, and to practice kindness. So we're not trying to... um, uh, Sort of like make something happen. The other thing, there's the third one, and this is maybe the biggest one um, myth around loving kindness practices that somehow we're gonna sit down and be like, oh my gosh, bring on the love vibes, (laughs) here we go. (laughs) Like, well, let's do it. This is gonna be amazing. I'm just gonna feel the gooey, like, whoa, heart opening feelings. And a lot of times, what happens, at least for me, I've is that we experience resistance, right? That we get an opportunity to experience our own resistance (laughs) towards offering love to ourselves, I find, a lot. Um, My negative self-talk, I think, and it has to do with my anxiety right now, has been, like, through the roof. Like, I could send it... I was joking yesterday that I would send it a fire emoji. Like, damn, girl... Oh, you're on fire! <laughs> That's how it's been lately. So as I've been practicing these, this is day three for me. As I've been practicing this um, again and offering myself loving kindness, I begin to notice the lack of compassion and care that I have been giving myself. Right? I'm noticing what's been missing—that self-compassion—and Um, yeah, when we offer folks who we have friction with loving kindness, we can feel the resistance often there. And we'll talk more about that as the weeks go on. This week, we're going to focus on offering ourselves loving kindness, which is where I'd like to hone in before we end this talk. So, and that's a good segue, thinking about the negative self-talk Um, aspect of it is that if we're talking about love saying yes to all that is, right, that hmm, many times the ways in which we regard ourselves is very conditional. I am worthy of love if I am productive. I am worthy of love if other people seem to love me right if we're only if we're getting that feedback i am worthy of love if i'm compliant if i do what the world tells me to do smile and wave i am worthy of love if i'm being of service i'm sure y'all you can list them in the chat if you have more it helps other people to feel less alone but part of your work this week is going to be noticing the narratives and the beliefs that start to come up when you are offering yourself these phrases, when you're just dropping these phrases into the pool of your awareness, what rises to the surface, right, that tries to prevent it from simmering down into your system? Here's the thing. There's a theory in cognitive behavioral therapy that talks about the, um, the hidden thought, right? And it was this therapist who started to realize that if, a couple of things, but the, the thing that I want to talk about here is that if he didn't meet his client's resistance right from the get-go, that they were much less likely to receive the benefits of practice or even to the benefits of practice, the benefits of the therapy, same, same. <laughs> Um, Or even to come back again. And so what he began doing is that folks would come in. He uses this example of this man who was attacked in a Burger King. And the people who broke in and stole all the money he was working locked him in the freezer. And his manager found him the next morning. And he was, like, really traumatized from it. So he goes to this therapist and the therapist immediately wants to go into fix it mode and is like oh my gosh we can get this done for you like just in a couple sessions I think I can like get your symptoms totally like you're going to be symptom free it's going to be awesome I got this like trust me and the man looked at him and he was like are you fucking kidding me you think you can fix me in two sessions don't you know what happened to me I have been suffering, I suffer 24 hours a day and kind of went into this whole thing about his suffering. And this therapist was skilled enough in this moment, and because he had seen it before, and he was like, wait a minute, what's going on? Where he just started to agree with the resistance. Right? So when he agreed with the resistance, and he was like, you're totally right. This has been very, very challenging for you. Of course, it's not going to be a quick fix. How could it be, right? And then they made a pros and cons list, and they started with the cons, like immediately going into how is the anxiety and the PTSD serving you? And the guy was like, well, if I'm always on guard, then I can keep myself safe. If I'm constantly vigilant, I can keep myself safe, right? And the therapist had honored it and was like, yes, of course. And then they made the pros list about how it's difficult for him to work or to be in outside. Like there's all these sort of limitations on the life, but the resistance had my point is is that the resistance has to be met first, right? And honored. Like thank you for keeping me safe. Right? My the way in which I've been dealing <laughs> has been um keeping me safe. Right? Whether it's through a numbing out or addiction or overworking or um, eating disorders, whatever it is, I believe that those behaviors in some way are protective, no matter what. And so can we love them up and meet them with care <laughs> uh, in the same way uh, that we would if our child or our dear friend would came to us and was like, I'm suffering. Can we be good listeners to ourselves? And not try to like fix it immediately. So I don't, that was just kind of a side note, but <laughs> I think it was worth it. It's good to know, right? And then that on the after they made the pros and cons list, he did his his symptoms were decreased after three sessions, right, with the behavioral therapy, which is just amazing. But he probably wouldn't have come back if the resistance hadn't been met with agreement and care and receptivity. So, um. Mm. Hmm. All of that to say that the gift of love is the gift of our attention. And that for the next week, as we offer ourselves these phrases, and we're just starting this week, if you're choosing to do this project together, with the four um, phrases to yourself. That's it, just to you for one week. I'm finding it kind of excruciating, um, and so I'm working on meeting my resistance. Like I'm like, oh, but I got an offer left to everyone else. We're just this week starting with ourselves and meeting our resistance and seeing what happens, and practically speaking, the way that this practice works is that we drop the phrase in with intention and presence behind it. Right? If love is the gift of our attention, like when we are falling in love with someone, you're just like, oh, and it's so easy right, to give your attention to them. You turn toward them over and over again. But we know ourselves so well and can get so sick of our own patterns and woundings that it's very difficult to do that with ourselves. But that's the energy behind the phrases, like a lover just turning toward with this wide, open, receptive attention each phrase, behind each phrase over and over again and then see what happens, remembering that it's an exploration um, that it's a connection right, that we're making with that part of us that is wise, and we'll talk more about wisdom because there is something really, really wise about this practice okay that's it, that's your homework four to five times a week Maybe every day if you can. Oh, this is the last thing that I want to say. And here's the phrases, my friends. May I be safe or may I feel safe, depending. May I be healthy. May I be happy. And may I live with ease. And if those words don't work for you, literally, my friends, they're just words trying to explain unconditional love. It is more about the at- at- intention behind them, right? Yes. Um, but I kind of like the simplicity of these phrases because, at least for me, it like words like happy and safety and health um, and ease can actually be pretty triggering in regards to myself. And so it's an opportunity to, I could wish it for anyone else, but it's much more difficult with myself. So it's an opportunity to really meet ourselves, right? And the words stay simple. Um, and again, you can change them. It's the, it's the intention behind them that matters, right? Which is that love without preference, that wide love where all is welcome. Great love is saying yes to what is. OK.